This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing and Java is great to be back in air conditioning without rain and lightning and thunder and get my truck stuck and all that stuff. <laughs> so for the past... Uh, what, four or five weeks we've been on the road, Java. Man, I mean, we did it all, too, every corner of the state. Yeah, like I said, we, we crisscrossed and doubled back some places, and um, it was fun. It was it was fun to get out and see the people. Yep, but uh, here in the studio, it's air conditioning, and we're not getting stuck. We don't have lightning going sideways under the pavilion. <laughs> or getting stuck in the mud or uh, <laughs> swatting off the flies. Yep, you and, know. I'm, and I'm having a, not having a tote granny's concrete chicken around, <laughs> which... Uh, it's becoming one of my signatures. My pickup truck with a garden in the back and Granny's old concrete chicken. They 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 say a lot about me. I'll grow anything anywhere and I will accessorize shamelessly. As long as we get the idea across that gardening is supposed to be fun. I think one of the hidden gems were and I guess I maybe I shouldn't say it, but it happened a lot. People were taking cuttings and things off of your garden truck. <laughs> That's right. And I spreading the joy, man. There you go. And I tell you one other thing and I'm gonna go ahead and say this. People came up, they didn't want to talk to me, they wanted to talk to Java. <laughs> Come on. Well they've they've seen you before. You you <laughs> give talks. I mean, you know, before COVID and pandemic, you gave talks and everything and I'm just the guy in the studio. Well, so that's we, all. We did have a good time and we need to do this a little bit more off. MPB taking it to the folks. Uh anyway, we're gonna talk about gardening today. I've got some things to chat about here and some a couple of things to brag about, which I really shouldn't, but all gardeners have that little bit of braggadocio in us. And um but if you've got some things to talk about, give us a call. It's toll free, one eight seven seven MPB ring. Promise not to try to sell you anything. We're going to start out right off the bat with Melanie down in Mobile County, Alabama. Hey, Mo- Melanie, howdy. Mobile, Melanie. <laughs> well, I, I'm not used to talking to a microphone. It's been like five weeks, six weeks. There you go. Well, it's time to get, figure out those buttons again. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. What's going on, lady? Well, I love to grow petunias, but... They always get so leggy, so what am I doing wrong? I mean, they keep blooming a lot of times, but then there's this big, bare, ugly spot in the middle of the plant. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, keep in mind that they're native to the Andes, and they like cool weather. They don't like hot, hot weather or freezes. They'll tolerate them both, but they do best in the spring or the fall when it's kind of cool. Okay. Um, and w- what happens is is they're almost like vines. You know, they grow at the ends of what grew last week. Uh, so one thing you can do is every now and then just cut one of the stems back to a few inches long and make it bush out, branch out to sort of fill in the middle. That's one thing. Uh, another thing is use it as sort of like a skirt for some other flower that grows a little bit taller that's, you know, complementary color or something like that. Right, right. I, I, I thought probably I just wasn't cutting them back enough. Okay, one other question. I grew... Um, Sweet snap pe- snap peas in the spring. Me too. I grew more than I could eat, and I and I hate to say this, but I'm a black eyed pea kind of guy. I may I planted three different kinds of the English type peas, the sugar snap and the the you know those kind of peas, uh-huh. and they got I couldn't eat them fast enough. I even had some frozen. Well, we managed to eat all of ours. I only planted one little package, and I told my husband, I said, next year I'll, because I don't have a garden, like a row garden. I just have a patch. Me too. Me too. But anyway.
I think they're finished, right? I yeah. mean, they, they're still blooming, but I just feel like they're, they're not They're going to start petering out. Again, these are, you know, uh, these kind of things and potatoes and pansies grow all summer long in England. In Mississippi, I, they won't take the heat, but they don't like hard freezes. So we just sort of try to grow them as best we can in the fall, hopefully get them through the winter, and then hope for a great spring thing. Then they peter out. You plant them in the fall, they grow all winter? No. Uh, well, you know, they won't take a hard freeze, you know. I just planted mine before we got that 10 degrees in Jackson. and uh, <laughs> But I covered them up with some mulch and some tin and some plastic, more mulch, and they made it. Uh, uh-huh. But the plants themselves, they'll take a light freeze. But okay. yeah, let's just say they prefer a long, cool growing season, which okay. which you don't have in Mobile. Well, so you, I, your I best bet is February. January, I think, or February. Yeah, yeah that's, that's so, best. Yeah, it's they, just, they just, did great. I, yeah. I was really... Please, I don't normally try to grow food because we don't have enough sun. Really, yeah, you don't. Trees. Yeah, but in the wintertime you get sunshine yeah. because the trees drop the leaves. So anyway, that's that's right. that's the thing is they you know if you plant them in the fall and down in Mobile, oh, we we have more problem with insects in the fall. So you best be sort of stick with springtime, winter, and spring. Yeah. Okay, that's good. They're starting to look a little stung now too. So I just I was thinking about just pulling them out, so I'll just do that later today. Well, I'm going to ask you this. What are you going to do with those vines? I'm going to put them in my compost. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> you know, extra, you know, get a gold star. Oh, okay. not, not, not that I'm in the business of giving out gold stars, but that's what I did. Yes, well, that, that's what I do with everything if, if I can, unless it's... Uh, and this, it seems like, is it because of the rain this year? It seems like I've got more rust. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of lot of fungi and rust and bacteria. They splash around, you know, in rains, and if the leaves stay wet and you know, cool and wet, the the, the those develop into diseases. It's real, real common in a wet year. Yeah, I thought that was probably what was going on. Yeah. So I just pulled up some stuff and broke off the limbs or whatever to try to get you know minimize it. All right, well, you have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Whew, it's good to be back in the saddle again. Let's slide from the Gulf Coast all the way up to Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Toby, good morning, sir. Good morning. What's up? Is this Toby? It is. Is it with an I-E or a Y? Y. Okay. Good morning. Y. What's up? Hey, I, my hostas are beautiful. They're doing fabulous. It's been a gr- it's been a gr- they're already going into blooms. Yeah. Should I cut those blooms? No, heck no. <laughs> you know, growing for the leaves and the flower. I mean, you can cut them off if you want to, if you're growing just for leaves. But and some of them have, have are grown for their flowers. They've got gr- big, really big pre flowers, but they, their flowers don't. They may slow down some new leaf production, but it's not that big a deal. I'd say okay. I'd say enjoy. Take a picture of it is what I'd do. Okay. Well, sometimes people say cut them all the way down around July and let them start regrowing. Is is that a well, here's, here's the thing. You know, the Hostess Society is a northern society. They grow better in Canada than they do in Memphis, although there are some gorgeous, gorgeous hostess. The, the Hostess Society in Memphis has got an unbelievable displays. Uh, matter of fact, I think I'm, I'm scheduled, you know, COVID put it off twice, but I think that this, this fall I'm giving a talk to the Memphis Hostess Society. I think this is going to work. But uh, in, in general, if, you, if you'll spoon feed them a little bit of fertilizer every now and then, not a lot, just a little bit to sort of tease them along and water them really, really well every week or two. You know, they don't like being kept wet because your slugs are going to uh, take them over. But a little fertilizer two or three times from spring to, to late summer and an occasional good soaking, and they'll do great. 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 I think they're so beautiful. So, and I planted some 
Oh, God, now I can't remember the name. But <laughs> it was a poem, the Cam- Camille. Camellia, Camellia. Uh-oh. It's a leaf, right? Another real pretty leaf. Yeah, I, so the the name of the plant cut out. What was it again? I knew the name of it. Just a minute ago. Call, call back, Toby. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. I enjoyed you, your show. Make sure you say when you're coming to Memphis because I'll be there. Okay. Appreciate it. And uh, and Java, she shouldn't say make sure because we've been every we mean to come up with a song about you know I've been Pascagoula you know all these places. I thought South Haven was Memphis. We were up there. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the South Haven people don't want to say it, but they are. They are. We had a good time. It was raining, too. But uh, And by the way, Java, I got to throw this out. Uh, it was said, you know, this was partly, this is this tour was sponsored by the Mississippi Public Broadcasting Foundation. Yes. You know, to, to, to generate interest, maybe get some members, you know, create awareness and all. It was suggested as a fundraiser that we raffle off the opportunity to, to wash my coffee cup. Wait a minute! I was I wasn't in that meeting. <laughs> no, no, no. This was this was suggested by a faithful listener. Why why don't, why don't y'all try to raise money by washing that co- an explet, expletive coffee cup of yours? <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe I should out raffle them for the right to not wash it. No, nah, we'll run. We will run some numbers up on that raffle. <laughs> that and Granny's chicken. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's talk to uh, Tom calling from Oxford. What's up in Lafayette County? Well, I have uh, two dogwood trees that uh, <clears throat> I had a landscaper plant two of them two years ago, uh-huh. and they died. And he came back and planted uh, two more last fall. And they're good and healthy in the lower two thirds, and they're dead on the top third. Yeah, yeah, this is tough. Well, they were well, they, they were container grown, I, I guess, grown in pots. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the deal with with dogwoods. They are one of our most gorgeous native plants. They're just they're drop dead gorgeous. But the my my friend Steve Bender with Southern Living says of of every three that are planted this year, only one's going to be alive in five years. They are one of the most notorious difficulty to get established. And there's a couple of reasons that one is we almost always plant big ones because we want instant gratification. And they have a hard time because they don't have a real vigorous root system. So they have a lot of top stuff and not enough roots to support it when it gets hot or if they stay wet, which overwhelms the roots. Those kind of combinations can push a, a, a plant over the edge. Dogwoods are more sensitive to that. So keeping it way, way too wet is a uh, number one issue uh, that, because they don't grow in wet soils. They grow on hills in the woods all around Lafayette County. You never see them down in bottomlands. The only time you see them out in the open is when people make them grow there. So it's a habitat thing. You know, they like moist soil that dries out a little bit between soakings. They don't like a lot of sunshine, but they'll tolerate it once they get established. Um, but one of the most important things, Tom, and this is really, really weird. It sounds like one of those woohoo type of things I see so much of. But there is this stuff in, in dirt called mycorrhizae. I, I'm not one of these, you got to add this stuff to your soil. But dogwoods in the woods, 
every root has got this, it's sort of like a fungus that grows on around roots, and it multiplies the root's ability to absorb stuff by up to 200%. That's a natural thing. And potting soil doesn't have it. So what I suggest is anytime people plant a dogwood, first of all, plant the smallest ones you can because they have a much, much better survival. But second of all, find a dogwood that's looking really good and dig up some of the shallow dirt that's beneath them and mix it in with your dirt to inoculate it with this stuff uh-huh. that your potting soil and your regular dirt doesn't have. It, it, this is a real thing. It's not one of those, I'm not a space age type of you got to do this and that <laughs> type of, this is a real, real plant physiological thing. So get you some dog. Anyway, as far as the top part buying, uh, if your landscaper gave a guarantee, you know, bless his heart, he shouldn't have done that. Uh, but about all you can do is is just, it's not going to hurt to leave dead stuff for a while. But if it doesn't come back out, just cut it off. And, and uh, you may have a, a kind of a weird bonsai type of tree, but let's just call it characterful. Because there's not much you can do about that. Cut out the dead stuff. What's that? Uh, you can cut off the top but doesn't it grow from the they grow from the top right well no you you can cut a dogwood back like you, like you do a rose and it'll sprout back out you know just okay. you know you can do an oak tree you've seen how people cut crepe myrtles back and they spring out well dogwoods will do the yeah. same thing but uh it, it it won't have that that classic dogwood shape but most old dogwoods are characterful they'll have dead you know they're weird shaped anyway so anyway it's either go with that or switch over to a different tree and by the way there's a type of dogwood called kusa starts with a k k-o-u-s-a Kusa dogwood, it looks just like our dogwoods, but it's from China, and it has bigger flowers, bigger leaves. It's a prettier, pretty plant, and if you can find one, uh, they, they, there's a whole lot of variety. They're a lot more durable than our wonderful native uh, southern, uh, southern dogwood. And where would you find those? No idea. You know, there used to be a fellow up in Memphis uh, named Plato Tuliatus, and he sold all sorts of stuff like that. But Kusa is widely planted everywhere except for some reason around here because garden centers don't care it because people don't ask for it. But it is a real durable plant. And also, you, uh, well, you know, there's there's alternatives, what I'm saying, to, to, to the dogwoods. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like a, a root issue, um, too wet maybe. Two smaller root systems. Yeah, they were they were planted in the fall, and then you know we had that horrible cold spell during the winter. Oh, I don't know. If no, that no, no, no. Do, 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 not, these these always grow up in the New Hampshire. They can take the cold. Okay. But anyway, they're okay. they're notoriously difficult. They're recognized by horticulturists across the South as one of the most difficult plants to get established, even though it's one of the most popular. Okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I love your show. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for being part of it. Woo, we're getting back in the saddle here, Java. Just kicking around some ideas. Going to take a little bit of a break, a couple of minutes or so, talking about yards and gardens and stuff like that. Talking about getting back in the saddle, I have to remember how to push all these buttons. <laughs> I've, I've had a different set of buttons out on the road, so i got to get back into these buttons here in the studio. There you go. And speaking of which, you know, I always bring a, a, an heirloom, an antique, and a native plant. And i got some good ones to talk about, especially the, the edible one. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener. Hey, well, we got some lines open, so you'll give us a call. toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We're going to be back right after this.
Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Yeah, I'm, uh... <laughs> I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo. We Toronto, we got to get one that's got Minnesota, got the kind of places we've been to. I mean, we've been to Shibuta. <laughs> And everywhere in between. Lord, it's been, it was a lot of fun. Good to meet a lot of folks, and it's really interesting to me, Java. And I'm sure, you know, you already knew about this, but, you know, I'm just here one hour a week in the rebroadcasting, but it is amazing the kind of folks who listen to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We had a couple of guys, tattoo guys, bikers. We love your show, man. Uh, we had a, a guy who drives a log truck. Shout out to him. He's he's hauling logs from South Mississippi up to Meridian area. Shout out to to, to truck drivers and uh, kids. It's just it was just a lot of fun. And I still have to give a, a special shout out to those people at the Pascagoula Beach Park because they were the first. They were the first, and they went through the most. <laughs> it was lightning. I mean, it was lightning and thunder at the same time, and it was chucking it down. But we, but we had fun. We, we, had we, fun. we, we were all huddled together with our umbrellas against the wind. So anyway, it was a lot of fun. Hey, let's uh, let's go up. Let's talk to Donna. She's down at Moss Point. What's up, Donna? We were that's just real close to Pascagoula. Yes, I was at that thunder event. At you the were park. okay. So, so me and Java aren't just exaggerating, are we? No, you are not exaggerating. I had to swim out. <laughs> we appreciate it. Well, what's going on today? I've got a friend, and she's had uh, a nice size ponytail palm that died back this winter, and I mean the center of it <clears throat> absolutely died away, and now. It must have 20 little sprouts coming out of the bowl. And we're wondering, can we, is there any way to separate them or, or do we just let it grow? Okay, now, Don, did you say sago or ponytail palm? Ponytail. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not really a palm, by the way. It's just called that because it looks like that. But, yeah, you can pull them apart, you know, as long as you get a little piece of root with each one. You know, okay. it, uh, a lot of times, though, they branch out. So, you know, you can I've seen them that are so big. I mean, they're probably four feet across at the base. Huge ones down in Florida and out in California where it doesn't freeze. Uh, and you can actually prune them back. See, so they're not really palms. But uh, the little things that come around the base, if, you know, peel one or two off. And if you can get a little piece of root, that's fine. Otherwise, see if you can root it in some some not wet but moist potting soil. OK, well, we've got like, she's got like. Twenty of them to experiment with, so <laughs> and these, we'll these give are, it our best shot. Now wait, these are ponytail palms, the ones that have the big base, the big, big, right? Big, and it's actually coming out of the, you know, the bulb, if you will. Yeah, that, well, it's, that's a trunk. Basically, it's a yeah. lower trunk, and uh, you know. I think you probably grow them from cuttings. It's not really a palm, so you know that's worth a try. But otherwise, if nothing else, you ought to thin them out so there's just two or three left. To, you know, so it doesn't look too too goofy. She was going to take pictures and send you an email. Do that. But I've cut her off the path. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That pass is on the other side of the state. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Appreciate it. 
Sure thing. Bye-bye. All righty. And uh, it, it could not have been more coincidental, Java. We just talked about Pascagoula just as we were talking about it. She was called, She was at that meeting. Yeah, that's what I mean. I it, mean, we didn't plan that. And it was only a hand. To see, that's the thing that makes it so special. She was one of a handful. Yeah. And, you know, they were, they were the tried and true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, let, let's go now uh, to Bahia and talk with David. What's up? Hey, David. Hey. Yeah, um, you were talking about the. Somebody called in about the boring bees uh, about a week or so ago. I think you were on one of your live shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that uh, I mean, I did all kinds of things to try to get rid of them and and try to discourage them. I even went out one night and 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 filled all their holes with silicone. <laughs> Bless their hearts. <laughs> well, they were eating up my my shop. So anyway, uh, one of my customers told me when I was out there that they had heard that uh, loud they don't like loud music. Huh. And and so uh, he in his barn he played rock and roll music. So I I've, I've got a little stereo that I put up about three years ago. I put up by my shop, and I play it. I can hear it barely when I walk out of the house at about 125 feet, but I play <laughs> it loud enough. Up by the shop, and I have not had a single one, a, a single problem with them since then. Wow! I, and every year I play it. So anyway, I just wanted you know to bring that because you were talking about yeah. that, and there's very many good solutions. But that I actually have found that to be a, a very good solution for that problem. You know, and the- I could always tell when they were around because they've always got that one guard bee that hovers, chases off the wasp. Yeah, the boring ones yeah. up there and stuff, you know. Well, so, and, so there's got to be there's got to be a bad pun here about bees and rock and roll. Got to be a you know <laughs> there got to be a bad pun here someplace. But uh, I I would imagine just scientific the scientism kicks in. This the vibrations they don't like. I I'm thinking that that's what it is. Yeah. It just you know it doesn't have to be rock and roll, but uh, you know whatever loud. You know, they just don't like loud noises. Yeah. Huh. I, I, so must I be a vibration. Anyway, hey, if if nothing else, it's a, it's a good excuse to play the kind of stuff you like to play as loud as you want to. Very, yes. <laughs> and like you said, I didn't know until you told said the other day that uh, uh, they're only in, the, you know, until like June. So I've been playing it all summer long, and now I know that I don't have to have to do that <laughs> well but if, if there's a significant other around there he or she doesn't need to know this you know you can still play stuff and just keep it going i won't rat you out on this well she just walked by when you said that so. oops <laughs> see you sweetheart anyway, uh, anyway uh, i wanted to ask you about cockaburs yeah uh is there a good way to get to is there something i can spray on them that won't kill the grass but will kill them well, oh, you talking about stickers? What what yes. people, the little ferny looking things that stick in the in your in your dog's feet? And my feet. Yeah, I, yeah. When I go barefoot. Okay. <laughs> well, the the best control for you is called flip flops. They work. Uh, two two yeah. things. This is a this is a very very uh pers- you know it's a it's a popular question because we have a lot of problems. What do they call it? Burrweed or stickers or or whatever. Here's the deal. It sprouts in the fall from those little those stickers are actually seeds. Those little things with a spur on. Those are seeds, 
and it sprouts from those in the fall and grows over the winter. It has tiny little flowers and makes more spurs, and then it pretty well peters out when it gets hot. It you know it's an overwinter, not a not a perennial type thing. Um, and where we see them, they're the symptom to me that you got a real thin lawn because they don't grow in lush grass. You know they they need to have sunshine and that kind of stuff. So in the long run, your best bet is to just fertilize your grass raise your mower. The thicker your grass is, the fewer problems you're going to have with it. Uh, But if you want to spray them, they're most susceptible to the sprays when they're young and actively growing. We're talking about late December, January, February. They're really susceptible to whatever kills dandelions will kill these. And your grass is mostly dormant. We'll see by the time stickers become a problem to us, they're already dying and they're hard to kill. And the stuff that'll kill them can damage or kill your lawn this time of year. So anytime you have stickers, just stick them on the refrigerator. If you got to spray them, make a note because you won't be thinking about it at all. January, February, a nice warm day then with dandelion spray. That'll take care of the problem for the whole year. But right now, you're spraying a plant that's already gone to seed, is already starting to die, and you're likely to damage your grass. So... Okay, that's good to know because see, this is mostly it's around my pool. Yeah, oh, yeah, where, where the grass is real thin. Nobody wants to wear flip flops or anything around the pool. Yeah, well, you know, they're just they're just uh, they're a symptom that first of all you need to thicken your grass up, and third of all you need to slow down and relax a little bit. Put some flip flops on. All right. Good luck on it, David. Appreciate it. All righty. Uh, by the way, um, <clears throat> Lisa. In our 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 foundation, uh, yeah, MPB foundation. foundation. Yeah, she handed me a cartoon, an Arlo and Janice cartoon. You ever see this in the paper? Uh, sometimes. Yeah, so Arlo, he's always getting in trouble with his wife Janice and their kids and all that. Anyway, he's from Mississippi. He lives out on the coast, but he he was with the Claire and Leisure for a long time. The guy that that uh, that that did the thing. His uh, his name was uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Anyway, today's has got to be from listening to this program. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. got to be. First of all, you know, he's Mississippi. Okay. And, uh, and he's always guarding but stuff. Uh, what it's, it, it says, Narcissus is a genus of flower that includes hundreds of species that grow from a bulb. Any member is considered a Narcissus. Okay, this is a comic strip. Second one is, Daffodil simply is a common name for Narcissus. If it's a narcissus, it is a daffodil. Third is, that spring flower you're thinking of is a narcissus jonquilla. Buttercup is not a narcissus at all. But the last thing we show Janice out there, just look down and smiling, saying, but here's the most important thing to remember. Just smile. Just enjoy. And, you know, I'm always talking about narcissus versus jonquils versus daffodils. I'm going to take credit for inspiring this one. And I don't think anybody would would have any objection. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they do, give us a call toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Hey, my uh, my my wildflower of the week is coreopsis. Little yellow things are not black eyed susans. They got a yellow center, but it's our our official Mississippi's official state wildflower. Uh, coreopsis. There's a whole bunch of different kinds. But right now, they're they're nice and big and pretty along the roadside, as pretty as anything I've seen anywhere. So coreopsis is our state wildflower. Plant it from seed in the fall. They bloom in the spring. You got problems with stickers? Plant coreopsis. There we go. That's my solution. We're going to take a quick break. I've got a, uh, an heirloom plant. I've got an edible plant to talk about. But we got a little, little relaxing tune. Going to slow the pace down a little bit. Just chill. 
Shake it out, relax, get a cup of coffee. We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener, me and Java, and all the other folks here at MPB right after this. Come over to my yard. That song was really sweet and all like that, but my yard is a mess. My mother described it as looking like a kaleidoscope having a stroke. Not for everyone. Not for everyone. Um, anyway, before we get this next caller, Java, I want to I want to do a little bragging. You know, back in the spring, you said something about a recipe for for fake chicken wings using cauliflower. Yeah, uh, cauliflower boneless uh, buffalo wings. And and y'all cook that at home? Yes, sir. Several several times a month, I could say. Yeah. Okay. Well, I said I was going to grow some some cauliflower. How'd I do? Man, let me tell you, I wish this was a, a, a TV. T- I wish we were on TV today because these cauliflowers look so good. They're small and they're and they're not that really pure white like commercial growers grow. These are old fashioned kind. They're they're kind of a of a off white. But they, I don't know if it's just because you grew them or I know what they're gonna taste like when they get the sauce on them. <laughs> but I'm ready for those cauliflowers. Okay, but I did grow them. Yes. I just grow. I just want to say because it turns out, you know, because of COVID, you know, I stayed home all summer last year and all winter, and instead of going overseas, and I found out that I'm a pretty, pretty mediocre gardener. You know, I'm a garden expert. When it comes to actually talking, you know, walking the walk, I was having a hard time. So anyway, I planted these things back right after that hard freeze, and I covered them with insect netting to keep the, the worms and stuff off. And those are those are my keys. Planted early kept the bugs off of them. And another thing, too, you say they're kind of, uh, I mean, I know they are not the same as the ones in the store, but this is where you get into, I know you grew these in your yard, or if, you know, if you go to the farmer's market, you yeah. can talk to the grower, and that was, you know, in the store, they're commercially grown, so they may have some little things done to them to, to make them nice and white. Well, the what makes these extra special, because they had me staring at them every day saying, <laughs> please make it, please make it, please grow, please grow. So anyway, I got some more. That's just some I, I picked this morning for you. So uh, anyway, let's uh, let's slide up to uh, to Cordova, Tennessee. Hey, Cindy. Good morning. Howdy. I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. What's going on with you? 
got two questions. Um, I know this wasn't the best time, but I had to move away because it would get too much water. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, we had some static problems. Okay. So we had to 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 jump in. Sin. Yeah. Call call back. We had some real bad static. I did hear you say you had to move a rose, and the question was what to do now. And um, if that's if that's because if I just move one, my question would be what do I do now? And uh, what I would do is cut it back. Cut it back maybe to where it doesn't have any leaves left on it or not very many. Cutting a rose back does not hurt it at all. We do it every winter. You can do it in the summertime. Uh, anytime you, put it, you cut them back, that immediately takes stress off the roots and immediately stimulates. There's a hormone involved that stimulates new growth. So cutting it back will save it. It'll balance the top of the roots, and it'll stimulate some strong new growth. So if that's what your question is, that's what I just cut it back a little bit. Uh, well, we got Cindy back again. There, you, you She's back. back. Hey, howdy. Say something. Hey. Yeah, it works now. Okay, I did not hear your answer, though. <gasps> well, well, you questioned what I do now? Right, I moved it yeah. um, into a different spot three days ago. So far, it's not wilting or anything. Did you prune it? Um, I pruned it back about halfway. That that should be enough. The main thing is is take some of the work because you left a lot of roots behind at a right. crucial time, and pruning it back takes the stress off the roots and it stimulates some new growth. So you know you can cut it back. You can cut it back even more. But the main thing is 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 if you got a lot of a lot of branches and stuff, you might actually want to thin some of those out so that when it does put out new growth, it doesn't overwhelm the smaller root system. Main thing is Do you I know. Need- yeah, okay, just 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 thin it out a little bit. Okay. Does it need a little light dose of fertilizer or not? Yeah. Well, you know they don't have the the kind of roots they got right now. You know it it will grow new roots just like pruning a stem makes the stems bush out. Pruning roots makes them bush out. Uh, but you know you might want to wait a a week or two. But okay. it's not that if you got some if it's granular fertilizer, go ahead and scatter it around it because it takes a, a few days or a week or two for it to really kick in anyway. Okay, and uh, one more question. I've got quite a few boxwoods, mm-hmm. and about half of them um, look a little pale. Yeah. The, the, the leaves aren't the deep, glossy green anymore. They're yeah. kind of pale and a little bit of lighter green spots on them. Yeah. Uh, here's, you know, th- there is a serious new disease. I don't know if the yours have it called boxwood blight. It's a serious thing. It's going through all the the antebellum places, all the historic, you know, the Revolutionary War, all the historic gardens across the South have control of the boxwood blight, uh, but it usually just kills them. So a lot of times, you know, boxwoods, just like azaleas or hollies, they need to be rejuvenated by pruning back. I cut mine back. It was chest high, and I couldn't put my stretch my arms around. That's how, how wide it was. And I cut it back to a little bit over knee high with not a leaf left on it last year. Took a little while to sprout out, but when it did, I, I, I pruned that new growth, and it looks great now. It's called rejuvenation. So, you know, every now and then, old boxwoods, like old hollies, need to be cut back and kind of started over again. It's called rejuvenation pruning. Right. That's a, so, uh, and it's not fun. It's going to take a while, and your neighbor's going <laughs> to talk about you, and there's a wasp nest in at least one of them. <laughs> so I'm just okay, saying. Okay, so it doesn't need any kind of a little little. Uh, you know, a little little fertilizer. All plants, you know, we know because Aunt Mamie never fertilized nothing, and it looked right. good. But plants need a little fertilizer at least every three or four years, just a little bit. You know, more yeah, than I, once I've a year never, is too much. I've never fertilized these, and they're probably ten, 
10 years old, the you ones know, that are the you pale know, green. They're, you know, they're, they're like that skinny old neighborhood cat, just can't get, get, doesn't have enough energy to catch <laughs> any birds to eat. You know, help them out. All right. Well, a I'll, little I'll bit. shoot them some fertilizer and trim them up a little bit. Okay. Good luck, Ellen. All right. Thank you. You bet, Cindy. Bye-bye. Okay. Now, let's go to uh, down to Mobile again. Hi, Becky. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I appreciate your show so much. Thanks. I I have a horrible situation in my yard, in the lawn. It's these little tiny, large clustered sticker things. Yeah. They're very, very short to the ground. Yeah, look like little ferns. Yeah, and you step on them, and oh, my gosh, you are stuck like 20 times. Yep. Now, the root system is very shallow, and you can reach down with gloves and twist that sucker up and pull it up. There's too many of them. Oh, everywhere. Okay. And if you leave them, they grow up tall. Okay. So Let me me cut to the chase on this, and folks who are listening, everybody who's listening, have patience on this, because I get this call a lot, (laughs) sometimes more than once a day. (laughs) Oh, wow. Here's the deal. Those stickers that stick in your feet, those are seeds of a plant that's already starting to die. They 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 sprout in the fall. They grow over the winter time. They make little ferny things. Then they have little flowers, and then the stickers, which are the seeds, this time of year. Spraying them right now is almost impossible to kill them because they're they're tough. They're big. They're going to seed. Energy's going Mm. up. Uh, And also, Mm. the sprays that'll kill stickers can kill your Saint Augustine or centipede this time of year. So Mm. make a note. To, to put it on the refrigerator so you remember in January or February, you can spray mm-hmm. with a anything that will kill, kill clover or dandelions, those kind of things will kill these plants when they're small, actively growing in January, February. That is the best time to control it uh, without, you know, it's more effective and less likely to damage your grass. The rest of this Terrific. year, raise your mower, fertilize a little bit yeah. because your grass is, te- the sticker is telling us your grass is real thin. And they're the Got symptom, yeah. not the cause of that. So anyway, this year, try to thicken your grass up. And if you got to spray for them, January, February. Meanwhile, get you some cheap flip-flops. <laughs> and this, this Thank real you bo- very I, much. I, you, know, you can't imagine how many times a week for decades, literally decades. Uh, yeah. it, but it's so frustrating. But that, that's the bottom line. Don't worry about them this Thank year. You. Think about next year. Great, great. Awesome. Thank you. You bet. Java, you've heard that question a time or two. A to, time or two or three. To, today. <laughs> okay, let's uh let, did you say break or could we take another caller? No, let's let's uh talk with uh I think we have another mobile call, John. John's calling from Mobile. We need to take this this show on the road to Mobile. Hey John, what's up? Thank you. Good morning, Filter. Um yeah. I had a question since we're just uh, about 10 days away from uh, hurricane season, <laughs> when is the best time to, uh, like, cut back a tree? I've got a pecan tree, and it is really tall and leggy. And um, in, let's see, two years ago, it had the same kind of branches, and some of them just bent over like knee joints yeah. and broke. Yeah. So um, is this the wrong time to be doing that? And the uh, same thing for shrubs, things like that. Yeah. When do you cut them back? Okay, that, that's a good question. Uh, but let me ask you, how old are these, is this pecan tree? At least 42 years old. Okay. It was a mature tree yeah, okay. when okay. we moved in. Yeah, okay. Here's the deal. Keep in mind, first of all, I taught the tree surgery course at Mississippi State. 
and I was raised in Pecan Grove. They have weak wood to begin with, those narrow angles, real easy to split. I spent most of my youth dragging pecan limbs to the burn pile. So, oh. the, so, the, so that, that's normal for pecans. Uh, second of all, once a tree gets past a certain youthful age, they get big, pruning them is really not good for them. You cut them back, and it's called dehorning. You know, when you cut a crepe myrtle back, you know, little balls and stuff like that, that's called pollarding. And it's okay with smaller things. But cutting a big tree back where it's called dehorning, and it causes a lot of little sprouts to come up at the edge of the cut, and they're almost always going to split off in two years. See, so cutting back big mature trees, not a recommended practice, not something that's practical to do. And it's expensive, and the new growth is going to start falling anyway. So that's sort of a bottom line with pecan trees. And I don't have a trouble. I don't have any problem pruning stuff. I don't mind people pruning crepe myrtles. Doesn't matter. But pecan trees and oaks and stuff really, it's it's difficult and expensive to cut them back, and it really doesn't help in the long run. And it actually causes some diseases. So I wouldn't recommend that. um, Would you recommend just removing the tree? Well, you know, let's let's give it a couple of weeks and see what the hurricanes do. But if it's close, if pecan trees fall apart. They they have narrow angles, weak. It's called weak crotches, and it's like you can split your little finger off your hand better than you can your thumb. Well, pecans have nothing but little fingers all over the place. Can I ask another quick question about pecans? Yeah. After the hurricane, uh, Hurricane Sally last year, um, a number of pecan seedlings came up, and one of them is. Uh, let's see, about seven to eight feet farther away from the house. Uh-huh. Uh, the one that I'm talking about is really kind of too close to the corner of the house. This one in the same line is about eight feet farther. Do you think I ought to see if I can uh, nurture that thing since it so, wants to grow? Yeah, you can, but keep, but, you know, and it's going to be a problem somebody 40, 50 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's what you can do. If you go by pecan groves all over South Alabama, you find pecan groves. And you notice that they all have a, a trunk and then they branch out about chest high all uh-huh. of them because commercial growers always cut them off about chest high to make them branch out closer to the ground. And uh, then they thin out those branches where there's only three or maybe four. Those will be the main trunks for the tree, rest of the tree's life. So think about doing that. Okay. And uh, now, as far as shrubs, you can prune shrubs, azaleas, hollies, roses, crepe myrtles, anything. You can prune those as far back as you want in the, the uh, wintertime, springtime, summertime, up until about the middle of August. If you cut them back really far, the further you cut them, the longer it takes for new growth to come out. And you need to, for that new growth to have time to come out, mature, and settle down before winter. So generally, no really hard pruning past about the middle of August or so. And then you you can neaten stuff up up until oh you know late September October, but again fall pruning new growth likely get damaged in winter time. So that's about it. The rule of thumb is prune spring stuff after it gets through blooming, prune summer stuff in the winter time, and don't prune nothing past September. Good rules, thank you. Okay, appreciate it. Oh, before we get into this call, let me talk about my heirloom plant. Oh, I did have another native plant when I was walking in this morning. I passed some Smilax. People call it Greenbrier. It'll eat you up, cat's claw. But the new growth, it's in the asparagus family. The new growth, tender stuff you can snap off, tastes like asparagus. It's actually in the asparagus family. So you foragers out there, when it comes to certain weeds, if you can't eat them, excuse me, you can't beat them, eat them. Now, let's uh, talk to Sandra now. She's been holding from Florence. Hey, Sandra, good morning. Well, good morning. Howdy. Hey, 
Howdy. I wanted to ask about um, fig trees. Mm-hmm. I uh, heard you say if you cut them back and you get a whole bunch of... Um, yeah, they bush out. They bush out. Uh-huh. And you cut some of those off? Yeah, what we want to do is we, we want to, to have, you know, uh, just a few trunks, and each trunk have a few limbs, and each limb have a few branches. Because otherwise get thick and cluttered, you can't pick them, they don't produce well, so kind of open them up a little bit. Sort of like uh, you would a rose, you know, you don't want a real cluttered rose bush. So how many would I leave on each little branch, each branch? What I do is I go by what direction they go to. If I got two pointing the same direction, I just cut one or the other off. Doesn't really oh. matter. So so I try to have where each each branch has sort of its own space, if that makes sense. I cut them where they're they're growing up and out, and not competing with each, not rubbing against each other. You know, one shade and the other. So that's all I do. Is, is you know you just thin them out to leave the ones that are growing up and out, and they all got elbow room. So all right, they, that know, sounds good. It's a lot easier than counting. Um, yeah. Um, also, I dug <clears throat> one up under my fig tree and uh, planted it last week, mm-hmm. week before last. How big is it? And it looks dead. How big oh, is it? Oh, it was about two or three feet high. Yeah, if you're going to do that again because you're leaving most of the roots behind, cut it back to about a foot and a half or two feet tall. And that way it'll start and more likely to survive. And it won't have any leaves left on it, but it'll, it, but it'll sprout back out and bush out. And, and then you'll have those trunks that we need down the road. So I always okay. cut them back to a foot and a half, two feet at the most. Okay. All, All right. righty. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, and i got to work in my heirloom real quick. I brought in a plant called Jewels of Opar. It's got big leaves, tiny, tiny little little pink flowers, and little tiny BB-sized balls of seeds that are orange and jewels of opar. It's a little plant. It's an old plant. Can't buy it anywhere, but it comes up everywhere. You just pull up all that come up and leave a few, and that's enough. The reason I like it because the name opar. That's from the Oparians, who are the lost survivors of the lost continent of Atlantis. And it was named that by a guy named Edgar Rice Burroughs, who wrote a book called Tarzan and the Lost Jewels of Opar. So I'm just saying, one of those little 1918, uh, 100-year-ago little oddball thing. (laughs) You're speechless, aren't you, Java? Only you would know something like that. (laughs) Jewels of Opar from the Tarzan and and the lost continent of atlantis now let's go to um we go to next chico from oxford hey chico good morning chico chico i know you i met you on the road chico (laughs) yeah you said i was wearing a hippie hat and it was actually just the green bay packers toboggan that's right and i also met the redhead that the beautiful redheaded woman. Yeah, Java. You know, Chico came to a couple of our things. Yeah, Chico uh, stopped up what in Oxford and uh, uh, swung by Tupelo. So yeah, yep. that's anyway, right. We're starting to run well, out of time though, Chico. What's up, man? Well, you know, come Monday, the good Lord willing, Bob Dylan is going to turn eighty years of age. <laughs> okay, you want us to do and, a, You want us to do a tune from him? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, up there in Minnesota where he was born. Other world that Minnesota is is where the Mississippi River starts. Yeah, and it got me to wondering: Is there anything that's known to grow along the entire length of the Mississippi River, from up there where Bob Dylan was born, yeah, to down there in New Orleans where American music got started with some help from Mississippi? There you go. Yeah, there's also from pawpaws to to goldenrod to but to, is there to sticker that grows to... exclusively there. Oh, uh, all up and down the Mississippi River. Yeah. That is hard to be exclusive when you're talking about 1,500 miles. 
know. That's what got me wondering about anyway, it. Good question, but but we're man, we're out of time. We got we got one more thing, and but we will address that next week. I'll be listening. Appreciate it, Chico. Thanks. And we got time to go to the really the heart of the Delta, Lyon, Mississippi. Homer, what's going on? You know, Clarksdale is just a suburb of Lyon. There you go, Phil. What's yeah. up? We're almost uh, out of time, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, grains, bolting. Uh, if I put water on grains, this is my first time raising grains in the spring, yeah. and I know they're gonna bolt, but I got them in the ground in the February. Yeah. What? What? Uh, it, will water them keep them? I'm bolting a little longer, or what is it, can I do to kind of counter that if it's anything? Well, you know, a little fertilizer, a little water will make them as healthy and produce as much as possible, quick as possible, but they bolt. They go to flower and seed when the sun, when the, when it, the days get longer and when the and, and warmer. So the, the length, you know, day length and temperature is what's stimulating the flower. Not much we can do about that. Not much we can do about it. Eat them as quick as you can, man. I guess he must be gone. I don't know. Anyway, we've had a rocket and rolling past couple of months, Java. Man, we've been all over the state, met a lot of a bunch of weirdos who listen to Gestalt Gardener and support Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I say a nice cross section of people. I mean, it may be some it may be some weirdos in the bunch, but you know, a nice cross section of people. Well, let's just say gardening is a big tent. There we go. I like that. And embraces a lot of different approaches, and some are distinctly wrong. They're wrong. (laughs) They don't. They're wrong. And I will try to call those out, but there's a germ of truth in them all, and there's some things we can do together we can agree on. So that's what we try to do here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Bring people together all over the state, all different kind of folks, different interests, whether it's from Deep South Dining all the way to the Gestalt Gardener because we start off Monday with food, end up with growing food. And um, Java, I grew some food. You're going you're gonna to turn it into something to eat. Oh yeah, well, my, uh, you grew the food, I'm going to eat the food. This is, <laughs> this is MPB personified. And we're going to take a break, folks. It's called a week. <laughs> we'll be back same time, same place next week. Thinking about maybe squeezing in another on the road thing. That was fun. I don't know if that'll work. Be or quiet, not. be quiet, fellas. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, folks, if you have a chance, take a kid to a garden center. They got lots of stuff right now. Still a good time to plant. Take them to a farmer's market and let them pick out something that's grown locally and talk to a real farmer. And if nothing else, wiggle we'll your fingers in the dirt and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.